Yes. Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitang Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Kadamahyam Tirati Svapadantikam Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever it might be, wherever you are. Um, so today is our sixth uh, discussion of Sharanagati, the path of accepting shelter. Oh, I think I called it accepting the path anyway. Anyway, and um, so today we'll discuss uh, Pratikulya Siyavarjanam. This is the second of the um, Angas of Sharanagati as we find them in the Vaishnava Tantra. Okay, slideshow is not playing. Should be. Okay, so um, our um, our six angas of uh, taking shelter, six angas of Sharanagati, or as it's presented in the um, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and the other Vaishnava scriptures, uh, Sharanapati. Excuse me, are Anukulyasya Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Varjanam Rakshashatiti Vishvaso Goptritve Varanam Tata Atmani Kshepa Karpanye Shadvidha Sharanagati. So these six um, aspects of taking shelter are accepting things that are favorable to the culture of bhakti, rejecting things that are unfavorable. Hmm. Con the conviction that Krishna will give us protection in all circumstances, accepting the Lord as our guardian or master, as our ex uh, actually uh, sometimes as our exclusive maintainer, complete self-surrender, atmani vedana or atmani kshepa, and humility. So um, today we'll talk about, go back again here, Pratikulya Sivarjanam or Pratikulya Vivarjanam as it's presented in other places. And that is abandoning those things that are not favorable um, for the culture of Pakti. And what I want to do today is just take a look at the big things, the kind of um, obvious things, just as a reminder. So <clears throat> The first thing that needs to be rejected um, are or abandoned um, are the offenses that we uh, tend to commit um, with respect uh, to chanting the holy name. So in um, his Harinam, in his Harinama Chintamani, Srila Bhaktivino Thakur um, lists them like this, and I'm using Banu Swami's translation. 
Um, he says offenses to the holy name, which should always be held in great fear, are analyzed as 10 according to the scriptures. Um, I like this, which should always be held in great fear, means we, you know, we should steer clear of these things. We don't even want to be in the same county um, as any of these offenses. So the first is blasphemy or criticism of a Vaishnava, sadhu ninda or satam ninda. So criticizing um, those, um, as Srila Prabhupada put, often puts it, um, who've dedicated their lives to um, sharing the glories of the holy name. But actually, um, any sadhu, any satam, any um, person who is of pure heart and engaged in Vaishnava dharma. And the, um, the word that's used is nind. Um, and nind means it includes even, um, it, it includes ridiculing or, you know, making fun of. Now, there's, there's a difference between, you know, making fun of somebody um, uh, in, in a way that's meant to make them feel bad and the lighthearted poking of fun that we do among friends. That's a completely um, different thing. So we, you know, I don't, I hope devotees won't become too um, uh, concerned um, with how they behave with their friends. This is just part of, of friendship, this uh, lighthearted um, poking of fun. Srila Prabhupada, I remember hearing many, many years ago, Srila Prabhupada said, yes, uh, my God brothers and I, we also had names for each other. Um, so this is a kind of a, a, a natural thing. But to speak critically of someone who's taken to Vaishnava Dharma, when what Krishna sees is whatever service they've done. I, I think uh, our example here, um, our Acharya could be Raghunath Pata Goswami, although sometimes when you mention it, devotees will say, that's out of reach. Um, but Raghunath Pata Goswami's practice was um, that he, at, at, at any cost, he would avoid hearing um, any criticism of any Vaishnava, even when the criticism was warranted. He wanted to hear what service they had done for Krishna. And, and I have uh, an example of this in my personal life. This was back in 1974. And uh, uh, Srila Prabhupada made a brief visit here to Honolulu in the summer, in July. And um, although I was head pujari and, didn't, and generally didn't get to do these things because so that everyone else could do them, I, uh, my wife and I would um, stay back at the temple and care for the deities. This one time I decided I was going to the airport to see Srila Prabhupada off. I didn't get to go on morning walks. I didn't get to go to where he was staying for darshans or anything like that. And I had had enough. So I just went to the airport and we were sitting in the lobby. Of, uh, there was actually a fairly large party. And you can see pictures um, here and there uh, of uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, going out to the um, you know, to the passenger's lounge and um, quite a, a large party of devotees. And I led the kirtan because everyone else hesitated. And although um, I'm generally not eager to lead kirtans, as my friends know, um, I just, Prabhupada looked around and he said, no kirtan? 
So I just immediately started. And then um, most of the devotees stayed outside on the sidewalk as Srila Prabhupada went inside and kept the kirtan going, which was pretty cool. And a few of us went inside and sat with Srila Prabhupada. He was sitting up on the seats and we, the rest of us were sitting on the floor. And Satsvarupa Maharaj was reading uh, to Srila Prabhupada from newspaper clippings all, from all around the world about um, Krishna consciousness and, and about his uh, society, um, uh, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And suddenly Srila Prabhupada looked up, he was listening intently, and then all of a sudden he looked up and he said, I, I hear that our Aniruddha is here in Hawaii, but he hasn't come to see me. And someone said, well, you know, he's hasn't been doing very well. He hasn't been very sp spiritually very strong, so he's probably embarrassed. And someone else said, oh, actually, he's outside with the Kirtan party. And Prabhupada insisted that, that Aniruddha come in. And it took a couple of um, attempts um, to convince Aniruddha to come in. And Aniruddha came into the, um, uh, came into the passenger lounge um, folded his hands in pranams, and he had maybe three, four inches of curly hair on his head, and he had a stud in his left um, earlobe, and he was wearing cut-off jeans and a t-shirt and slippers, or what uh, some people call flip-flops here in Hawaii. We just call them slippers. And um, Srila Prabhupada looked at Aniruddha, and he said, so Aniruddha, how are you? And Aniruddha blushed, smiled and, uh, sheepishly and said, actually, Prabhupada, not so good. And then Prabhupada motioned for him to sit next to him um, on the seats. And Aniruddha didn't want to do that because the rest of us were sitting on the floor. But Prabhupada insisted. He sat down next to Srila Prabhupada. They exchanged a couple of minutes of small talk, minute and a half, maybe two minutes at the most. And then Srila Prabhupada looked at us and said, in Los Angeles temple, he is the beginning. So he, along with Dayananda and Nandarani, uh, he was one of the first devotees um, to um, uh, go to Los Angeles and, and uh, try to get uh, uh, ISKCON going there and the preaching of the holy name. And Prabhupada was pointing out that yes, there may be some difficulty. Aniruddha, you know, may be having some difficulty at the moment, but the important thing, the real thing, this the because the, the difficulties are ephemeral, they pass, they come and go. He says, but the real thing is that he's done service for Mahaprabhu and his movement. And having because I was friends with Aniruddha, I could kind of feel the consciousness among the devotees sitting with Srila Prabhupada shift and I was very uh, grateful. My wife and I used to hang out with him and we knew um, what a good person he was, how much he loved Srila Prabhupada, um, even though um, his spiritual practices may not have been very strong at the time. The second is considering that other living entities such as the Devatas are independent of Krishna. So this is something that we discuss um, uh, among ourselves quite a lot. Here in the Honolulu Temple, we're reading in the mornings after after Tulsi Puja, uh, we read uh, Harinama Chintamani instead of chanting, just 
we used to kind of we used to chant the 10 offenses against the holy name and it seemed to me that doing that day after day becomes a little rote and mechanical and if we were to ask somebody what's the fourth offense um at, when, when we're having breakfast prasadam they may or may i mean they may just become feel themselves completely caught short um so I suggested that we read Harinam Chintamani instead so that we could get a, a better sense of just how these offenses work and how we can avoid them, which is what um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has, Haridas Thakur, discussed with Lord Chaitanya. So considering that the devatas um, and other living entities are somehow or other independent of Krishna, they uh, Sometimes we think of it as being, you know, being uh, the same as Krishna or different from Krishna, but somehow or other, every, that, that everything is not connected to Krishna. That's an offense against the holy name. The third, this is a big one, disrespecting the spiritual master, not um, disregarding the instructions of the spiritual master, not taking very seriously the fact that the spiritual master is a stand-in he is a representative, personal representative, um, emissary um, of Krishna's, but um, he's also very dear to Krishna because of the service he or she is, is uh, uh, giving to us and um, to the Lord. Uh, disrespecting the authority of the scriptures um, is another thing to avoid. Interpreting the meaning of the name and thinking that the glories of the holy name are imaginary in some way uh, that it's an exaggeration to think that you know by chanting the holy name once someone uh, may become uh, liberated um, on the spot um, it's certainly possible the holy name has that power um, for us to doubt that is um, something that we should avoid we should hear about the glories of the holy name enough that we actually uh, that our faith begins to grow enough that we think well it hasn't happened to me yet that indicates some um, difficulty with my practice. Um, this, uh, the order here, this actually, the, this list is a little different from what we often see. Here we have what generally we see as the um, seventh offense, as the sixth, uh, committing sinful activity on the strength of the holy name. In other words, um, you know, doing things that are uh, that are against bhakti, um, and um, or against other living entities, against nature, and thinking that will be that 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 it's cool because you know tomorrow I'll chant sixteen rounds and my sins will be erased. Um, this is uh, this is an offensive mentality. Uh, giving the holy name to the faithful who aren't ready to accept, we generally see this as the ninth offense. Um, we need to be um, sensitive to our audience. Um, sometimes I remember hearing our Guru Maharaj, Tripurari Maharaj, describing when he would go out distributing Srila Prabhupada's books and how he, how he would connect with people. And, and I, I, I remember maybe the first few times I heard him discussing this, it just really struck me that he's really somehow connecting with them, with their subtle body, so that he can um, actually get their attention. So we need to be um, sensitive 
um, to our audience and, and understand what they uh, may and may not be able to accept. This is, um, this is just part of any kind of presentation, any discussion, even, even a, a casual discussion with friends. We, um, you know, we, we, we need to have a sense of where they're at, how they're doing today, um, so that we don't say something that's completely inappropriate. So when we find people who, who actually have no faith in the holy name, then we don't need to bother. We don't need to spend a lot of time with them. We can be nice to them. We can um, uh, treat them respectfully um, as we would anybody so that they have a sense that, oh, uh, devotees are decent people too, or something like that. But we need to um, try to tune, tune in as much as possible uh, to the, the nature and degree of their receptivity so that we don't um, give them an, uh, an opportunity to commit offenses themselves. Uh, comparing the holy name to karma or material pious activity, this is also generally listed elsewhere in the, in the list. So this isn't, um, the chanting of the holy name is directly the supreme personality of Godhead and um, accepting the holy name is the perfect form of worship of the Supreme Lord, um, especially for this age. And, and you know, we need um, to understand that. We need to understand that this is not just some religious activity. This is not some pious activity. This isn't something I do to get uh, in, in order to get ahead in this world. In fact, if we're honest, chanting the holy name has a tendency to undo our situation in this material world. Um, inattention while chanting the holy name. Sometimes this is listed um, as a, an extra offense. I think Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, includes it here because he wants to discuss it among the holy, uh, among the offenses against chanting the holy name because he sees it as the root um, of all these offenses. Um, there's a, a devotee um, who gives classes online sometimes that I occasionally attend, um, a devotee from Potomac, Maryland, Iskon in Potomac, named Gary Govardhan. And he made a point a few weeks ago in one of his classes where he said that, that love begins with attention. And we know that. We know that when it comes to um, our partners. We know that when it comes to our parents, um, our friends, our children, certainly. And it's certainly the case um, in our relationship um, with Krishna. Love begins with attention. So when we chant, um, you, know, when, you know, when we chant, we should chant. This is how, kind of how I put it. Um, some, some, you know, I try to stay away from um, other people when I'm chanting Japa. Uh, because sometimes there's a tendency to want to, to people to want to talk, and and when I'm work, when I start a round, I, I prefer to, to at least finish um, one round. When I finish, I prefer to chant at least four rounds together at a time. But um, so you know, I my my attitude, my internal attitude is when I chant, I chant, which is kind of helpful to me. Um, instilling my mind, I found this helpful to me even falling asleep at night because I have so many things that I'm working on that I'm thinking about that I'm actually not making enough progress on 
that when I, you know, when I lie down to go to sleep at night and there aren't all these, you know, uh, distractions, um, all of a sudden I start, all these things will start rolling um, in my, you know, going through my, running through my mind. And um, so I chant with my breath as I'm falling asleep and, and because it's become a habit that when I chant, I chant. So when I actually chant, the other things aren't, there's no room for the other things. So I'm actually able to, um, you know, quiet my mind and, and, and fall asleep peacefully. Um, generally within a few minutes, sometimes when it takes a little longer, I get worried, which makes it harder to go to sleep. So you get a vicious cycle. And then the 10th is um, not being um, completely attracted to the holy name, even uh, when we understand the glories of the holy name, because of attachment, as, as the Thakur puts it in Harinam Shintamani, to the material identity of, of me and mine. So these 10 offenses, this is, these are one of the big things um, that we need to try to abandon, try to avoid, try to run away from if we can, but we should always be attentive to them. We should be introspective enough to understand uh, where the difficulties might arise in our practice. A and often it will be uh, one or more of these um, offenses um, against the holy name. And then <clears throat> there's another list of things that need to be avoided. And these, um, these are uh, 10 more things that are discussed in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And we'll see some of these referred to um, elsewhere in this morning's um, discussion. Um, so these um, are the second um, group of 10 angas of bhakti listed among the 64 angas of bhakti in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So um, the um, first 20 items are vidhi and nisheta. Uh, the vidhi are uh, the, uh, the rules, um, and the nisheta are the, uh, so the vidhi are the, like the prescriptions, and the nisheta are the proscriptions. Uh, these are the things that we should avoid. Um, one is, and so these, um, uh, Srila Rupa Goswami says that these 10 angas should be observed by avoidance. The first 10 are things that are um, actually very favorable to bhakti. We discussed those last week, um, taking shelter of the spiritual master, taking the initiation, etc., from the guru, um, following in the footsteps of the uh, of the great um, sadhus. So the first of these things that needs to be avoided is the association of those who are uh, opposed to the Lord, giving up um, uh, asatsanga. Um, the second is being attached to making disciples. Um, now, uh, the acharyas caution us that we, you know, if we want to spread Lord Chaitanya's teachings, we need to teach. And one of the natural consequences of teaching is that people will, those who are impressed by your teaching, those um, in whose hearts the sangskars become sufficiently deep, the impressions um, in their heart become sufficiently deep, will want 
to take shelter of that teacher. And um, so, you know, we have to, the devotees have to give shelter to those to, to the extent that they're able. Um, so, um, so sometimes uh, we may have to do that. But the attachment to making disciples, the attachment to having followers is actually an obstacle um, to devotional service. It's something that um, the, the, the devotees do um, in, in order to satisfy the Lord, just as we saw in the case of Srila uh, Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Maharaj, a very um, introverted personality who preferred um, to pretty much keep to himself in Nabadweep. But at a certain point, Nityananda Prabhu seemed to communicate to him, oh, you, you want my mercy, but you're not going to share that mercy with others. Uh, what's that about? So Srila Sridhar Maharaj um, began accepting uh, a limited number of disciples um, at the um, insistence of, of Lord Nityananda. And um, I think closely associated with this is um, um, enthusiasm for huge undertakings. Sometimes we want to make an impression on the world, um, um, either uh, to satisfy our own ego or maybe to, to glorify the Lord. So we might undertake some big thing, um, some big uh, project, on the Lord, even on the Lord's behalf. But sometimes these things might be a little beyond our scope and um, actually distract us from our practice, um, actually distract us from actu really taking shelter of the Lord. And we may find ourselves spending a lot of time and energy struggling with developing or maintaining these huge projects. And um, it's worth remembering that uh, what we see in in uh, Chutananda's memoirs is that when Srila Prabhupada incorporated the International Society for Krishna Consciousness in, in July of 1966, he said that this, you know, he, he listed uh, in the Articles of Incorporation the seven purposes for which, he, you know, we establish um, teaching missions in, in this world. And he said, if we find that it, that it doesn't actually support these seven purposes, then we can dissolve it and start over again. So this is the, um, the guiding, kind of our guiding light. Now, we know Srila Prabhupada um, undertook something that he saw as beyond his reach. And, but we also see in the poems that he wrote on the Jaladutta, the uh, prayer to the lotus feet of Lord Krishna that he wrote in the middle of the ocean, and um, his uh, Markine Bhagavat Dharma, teaching Bhagavat Dharma in America, that he wrote in Boston Harbor, um, we see what his big plan was for um, approaching such a huge undertaking. And that was putting it completely in Krishna's hands. You know, he says, he says, uh, you know, my dear friend, uh, I've been given this impossible task, but I'll make, you know, I want to make a deal with you. You know, if you help me with, because you're the wisest of all, you're very powerful. Um, so if you make it happen, it'll happen. Um, and if you do that, um, you'll, you can actually give pleasure to Srimati Radharani. And, uh, and then your life, your life will become successful. And then when 
we're done with all this, then I get to rejoin you again, um, uh, running through the pastures and forests of, of Braja, um, playing games and stealing each other's lunches and just hanging out together. Um, so this was Srila Prabhupada's big plan. Sometimes devotees used to talk about oh, Prabhupada had some big plan before he came. Um, but we see in those two poems where Srila Prabhupada, these weren't written for public consumption. Prabhupada wrote in his diary today, I have revealed my heart to my eternal companion. Um, and I've written it in Bengali. Um, and, and you you look at the you know you look at the manuscript and this is Prabhupada thinking aloud as he's composing this poem. There are places where things are scratched out, and uh, it's you know it's just really nice. And we also know that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur um, established his 64 Gaudiya Mutt centers around India and and excuse me sent um, some of his students to Europe to England and to Germany to try to um, share Lord Chaitanya's teachings there. So we think, well, you know, we need to do big things, but we need to actually understand, you know, we need to understand what our actual qualification is. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur himself, when he was asked about this, he said, you need, um, you need to cut your, co your coat according to the cloth that you have. In other words, if you think, you know, if you can pull it off, and if there's a chance that you can pull it off, go for it. But then later, he also told Srila Prabhupada um, privately when they were walking at Radha Kund, he said, if you ever get money, print books. This is this temple business. This is just headaches. Um, people will fight over, um, over the rooms. And we, Srila Prabhupada himself experienced this when he built the Gurukula at the Krishna Balaram Mandir in, in Vrindavan, all of a sudden the devotees were um, scrambling over, you know, uh, wanting which, want, which room they would have to have as, as an office for their project or whatever. And Prabhupada said, no, no, that's not what, the, what this, this, this is a Gurukula. And, and they said, but Prabhupada, how are we going to develop ISKCON? And Burijan told me many years ago that Prabhupada's response to that was Iskan Fiskan, bring boys. So we need to understand what you know what these big projects are about. They're really about glorifying the Lord. Um, avoiding this the next is avoiding study of useless books in order to earn a living or to defeat others in useless arguments. Uh, we need to understand what our time is for. Our time is for cultivating bhakti. So we read the books that help us better understand what bhakti is, how it works, and how, um, you know, how we can uh, make it part of our lives, how we can make our lives part of bhakti. And we may want to read books. Uh, my friend Kusha says, uh, Shastra and how-to manuals. That's the extent of my reading. <laughs> So that's a real kind of common sense approach, I think. Um, and sometimes devotees need to read um, more broadly also to understand how people are thinking in the world and, and how we might be able to present uh, Krishna consciousness to different audiences, especially um, to educated audiences, because we do um, want to impress 
want to at least create, be part of creating bhakti sangskaras in the lives of people who might be able to influence other words, others. Otherwise, just reading books for the sake of reading books um, um, or so that we can um, beat other people up in an argument, uh, that's actually um, detrimental to bhakti. Feeling miserable in material circumstances. Um, we should have the attitude that Lord Brahma teaches in his Brahma Stotra in the 14th chapter of the 10th canto, that whatever comes, this is Krishna's arrangement somehow or other. And I should use that for my benefit. I should you know, understand this is Krishna's mercy, whether it's a pleasant circumstance or an unpleasant circumstance, but wallowing um, in, in unhappiness um, is not helpful. Um, the same with lamentation or other extreme emotions, lamentation, but also being um, carried away in ecstasy at, at some success. Um, these things distract us from our real business. Not showing disrespect to the devatas. We don't want to worship the devatas separately from Krishna, but at the same time, we don't want to respect them because they are um, especially deputed and empowered by Krishna to carry out particular functions in the material world, not disturbing other living beings. Our business is to lead a peaceful life and to help others become happy. The essence of all Dharma, um, we see it presented in a couple of different ways by Bhakti Vinod Thakur, but in one of his songs, he says, uh, Krishna nam jive doya sarva dharma sar. The essence of all religion is chanting the holy name and kindness to all living entities. He also, um, and elsewhere, includes uh, a Vaishnava Sevana, service, service to the Vaishnavas, that uh, chanting the holy name, kindness to the living entities, and service to the Vaishnavas. This is the essence of religion. And this is particularly the essence of our religion. Uh, not committing the Seva Aparads or Nama Aparads that are mentioned in, uh, and, and those are discussed in, I think, Jiva Goswami's commentary. Uh, on uh, the uh, the anga, which is avoiding aparads, uh, one of these ten. Uh, when when this is when this particular anga is discussed, not tolerating criticism of Krishna and his devotees uh, by those who are averse to them. Um, uh, uh, Krishna tad bhakta vidvesha vinda. Uh, we don't we don't we just don't want to uh, to be in the neighborhood when Krishna and his devotees are being criticized. Now, if someone simply has a misunderstanding and there's somewhere we can, some way we can help clarify that for them, then we might want to discuss it with them. Otherwise, uh, we might just find something else to do. Um, I remember have, uh, having a conversation with uh, uh, many years ago here in Honolulu, uh, I, this is in 1976, May of 76, uh, my wife and I came from the Big Island and we spent a couple of weeks, we spent a couple of weeks staying with friends so that we could come here Srila Prabhupada's classes because we were missing that. We knew he was here and we were only a couple hundred miles away. And so somehow or other, we scraped together money to come. And so one morning, uh, I, generally those mornings um, after class, uh, my friend Siddha Sarupananda and I would, um, talk for a while. 
and, and one morning we were talking about something just between the two of us and somebody else came up and interrupted and Siddha said, looked at his watch and he said, oh dear, um, I've, I've, got a, I've got a meeting. And he got into his car, pulled out of the, um, out of the temple's parking lot, per parking lot and actually just drove around the block, <laughs> came pulled back in and, and we resumed our conversation. And so we can politely find something else to do whenever something like this um, comes up. Um, and then we see some things that need to be avoided in the second verse of uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's Upadeshamrita. Atyahara prayasas cha prajalpo niyamagraha janasangas chalalyam cha shadbhir bhaktir vinashyati. Srila Rupa Goswami says that our devotional service, our bhakti might become spoiled by becoming too entangled in these six activities. One, eating more than necessary or collecting more funds than required. Two, over endeavoring for mundane things that are very difficult to obtain. This is connected to one of the um, 10 angas to be, one, uh, 10 angas which is uh, practiced by avoidance that we saw before, uh, big projects. Um, three, talking unnecessarily about uh, mundane subject matters. Four, practicing the scriptural rules and regulations simply for the sake of following them and not for, really for spiritual advancement or neglecting the um, instructions of the scriptures and thinking that we can do things independently or whimsically. We can figure it out um, on our own. Associating with uh, worldly-minded people who aren't interested in Krishna consciousness, and then being uh, greedy for mundane uh, achievements. I think I, this, th these are the uh, translations from Srila Prabhupada's Nectar of Instruction. So we can discuss each of these um, a little bit. So the first is Atyahara. Atyahara prayasascha. Atyahara, ati ahara. Ahara means um, one meaning is eating, um, but also it means acquiring or obtaining, um, getting stuff. And uh, as the Acharyas discuss it, Srila Sridhar Maharaj and Srila Prabhupada and Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, um, as they discuss this, it generally means enjoying sense objects beyond what's actually necessary uh, to live in this world. And um, we see so many places um, in the Shastras, including the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter, when the behavior of the yogi is, is, um, is discussed. Krishna is discussing how a yogi behaves with Arjuna. And he says that, uh, that eating, sleeping, uh, recreation, these things are all indulged in in a regulated way. Um, we don't let ourselves get carried away um, with, with any of these things. We do what's necessary. We know that we need to eat certain kinds of foods in certain amounts at certain times of day in order to maintain our health and maintain our strength in order to do our service. And the same thing with sleeping. You know, <coughs> so many of us who joined Prabhupada's society early on 
had this whole thing about, you know, minimizing our sleep and, and certainly no more than six hours of sleep. But then at a certain point in our lives, we realize we can't function. We can't get through a day um, because we're not sleeping well enough and we're not getting enough sleep. So we may have to um, be a little flexible like a yogi and, um, and understand just how much sleep we need, what conditions we need in order to get that. And certainly recreation. This was something that um, was not neglected here um, in Honolulu. Um, although sometimes uh, we were encouraged not to sleep enough, not to eat enough. And uh, uh, we saw de the um, detrimental effects that had on our practice along the way. Um, still, uh, at least the men, uh, because our um, temple president um, enjoyed the ocean, enjoyed body surfing, um, we had opportunities to go into the ocean and go body surfing and sometimes just hang out on the beach and, and uh, get to know each other a little better. Um, so, and then we, you know, we hear uh, sometimes, I, re I remember when we would be in the car going um, to Ka uh, Carrillo Beach or, or someplace in, in, uh, when we were at Maduvan, we wouldn't even have left the uh, Madhavan property yet. We wouldn't have gotten to the gate yet before Guru Maharaj would turn around and say, okay, what's the verse that explains what we're doing today? And somebody would um, call out that verse. So mainly we try to engage whatever we have in service to the Lord and service to the Vaishnavas. And we understand what we need in order uh, that we keep our machine operating properly. Just as with our car, we, you know, we you want to be able to engage our car for over the long term in Krishna's service. So we know that means we need to get it serviced regularly. We need to get the oil changed every three or 5,000 miles, whatever it is, three months, whatever. And, uh, and, and that keeps it going nicely. Uh, prayasa, over endeavor. And so this is the, uh, uh, also echoes the, the injunction against starting big projects that are beyond our capacity. And so if we do this uh, for, out of ego, then it's, then it's certainly a problem. Um, but sometimes we need to stretch ourselves. Sometimes we need to uh, test ourselves, just as we see Srila Prabhupada did, just as we see Srila Sridhar Maharaj did, uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, you know, took this vow to chant a billion names of the Lord. And it took, you know, nine years and something and change. And, um, but then um, his disciple, uh, I think it was, I think it was the devotee who became uh, Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha Maharaj told him, you know, you need to share, you know, you need to share your realizations with others. Just living in the hut in the forest here and in, in Mayapur, that's good, but you could do you could do more than that. So his disciples coaxed him out, and it wasn't necessarily his his uh, first choice. His, you know, he was he had become attached enough to chanting all day that he probably could have been perfectly happy happy doing that. And so he um, he had these big projects, um, but if we're too enthusiastic for that, 
and to the extent that it distracts us from actually making spiritual progress, that can be a problem. Uh, so we need to find the balance, the middle ground. Again, it's a virtue to understand where we're at and behave accordingly, and a fault not to do that. Um, the third here is prajalpa, useless talk. Talk that's not connected with hearing, chanting, remembering the Lord's transcendental name, form, qualities, pastimes, or service. Um, when we see um, when we see remembrance of the Lord discussed in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, um, discussing his service is also um, uh, included in that. And so um, some evidence for that that's given by the Acharyas is Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instruction to Raghunath Das Goswami. We know that when Raghunath Das was finally able to escape his uh, very comfortable uh, family situation and get to Puri, he thought, you know, finally I've made it. Now I want Lord Chaitanya's, um, you know, I want his close association. I want to hear nectar from his lips. So he kept trying, to, you know, to, uh, to get, uh, present questions so that Lord Chaitanya would give him some personal, you know, nectar, some personal uh, instruction. And finally, Lord Chaitanya relented. And he said, okay, I, it says, I've, I've gotten, I, I can give you some personal instruction. And that began with this Gramya Kata Nashunibi, Gramya Varta Nakohibi, Bala Nakaibi, Arabala Naparibi. Don't engage in Gramya Kata, village talk, the gossip, uh, just talking about politics or what somebody did. Uh, what this celebrity did and and that royal didn't do or whatever, um, um, and don't in, don't eat nice food, you know. Don't uh, sit around waiting for the the plates of of fancy food, and don't dress fancy. And then he said, you know, keep always keep Krishna in your heart and always chant the holy name. And so he these are the intimate instructions that he gave to Raghunath Das Goswami. Just behave as a nice, renounced person. Don't be attached to any kind of material pleasure. Material talk, uh, nice food, wearing nice clothes. Um, and always, always worship Krishna. And then he says, now for other things, um, <clears throat> you can consult uh, with Swarup Damodar. So Raghunath became known as uh, Swarup's Raghunath, Swarupair Raghunath, um, because Lord Chaitanya gave him this intimate instruction, which was kind of general, just behave nicely. And uh, he said, for other things, um, you can get instruction from Swarup Damodar. So this is a very important thing. We, we are inundated nowadays. We used to say this 50 years ago, the world is full of prajalpa. There's so many newspapers, there's TV stations, there's radio stations. Well, now the ether is so saturated with contaminated sound vibration of one sort or another that we, you know, we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, in America, now it's approaching 600,000 people have died from this virus. 
I don't remember how many have become infected. Some of them, <coughs> they're long haulers. They'll, um, they're going to, they've been ill for a year or more and, and will probably feel the effects for a long time. And I don't know how many, maybe 3 million, some three, four million, six million people, I don't know how many have died throughout the world because of this pandemic. And the world's economy and, and the cultures have just been under assault because of you know, trying to deal with this thing. And uh, so now, you know, everybody spends their life online. You know, the, there's people, you know, uh, jokes about people having watched everything on Netflix and Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever and uh you know trying to figure out what to do next and um and you know people are reading books about making sourdough bread and banana bread and things like that and um so, so the the ether is so full with the internet so full with so much distraction so much um uh, sound vibration that can um uh divert us from our real business as as Krishna Bhaktas. And what we've seen that we've the devotees have done in response is created so many opportunities for hearing and chanting um, using the internet that we can't take advantage even of the ones we know about that we would really like to. I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you how far behind I am just on Guru Maharaj's talks much less Padmanabha Maharaj's talks, which are uh, unbelievably um, edifying and, and um, considerable, sometimes considerable work uh, to, to digest. And then there are some, a, a number of other devotees whose classes I really like and kirtans that I like to, uh, that, that, that I find inspiring or that I like to learn from. Um, and and it's, there's just too much of that. So where's the room for watching, you know, kitty videos or, you know, in the case of maybe someone like me, surf videos or something like that. Um, these things, these things distract us from our real business. One of the um, nine um, symptoms of someone who has attained the stage of bhava is avyartakalatvam. And I think um, I looked some years ago, um, I did a search, and of those nine symptoms of bhava, um, the uh, one that Srila Prabhupada uh, discussed most in his talks and, and in his purports was avyartakalatvam, not wasting time. Uh, the other, I think, that, that comes second to that is nama, uh, nama ruchi having developed a taste for always chanting the holy name. Uh, there was this Gramyakata talking about politics, talking about, you know, the maskers and the anti-maskers, the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and the politics around that and the 5G and um, all the stuff that, you know, that people want to talk about. That's not our business. That I mean, that's, you know, we need to have a sense of what's going on. Uh, we need to develop our own sense of what it means. Um, but uh, letting our lives be consumed by this kind of stuff is just enervating. It sucks all the energy out of our spiritual lives. 
Uh, and then there's Niyamagraha, one that we, the devotees love to discuss sometimes, um, which is either uh, being too attached to following rules for their own sake or just neglecting the rules. The, there, you can read this Niyama, read this as Niyama Agraha or Niyama Agraha, either way. Um, I, either approach to the instructions of the Shastras um, can erode our real, uh, uh, our actual spiritual practice. Um, the purpose for the Vidhi and the Nishetas are to help us grow spiritually. And if we get caught up in, you know, oh, I'm only going to sleep four hours, or I got, you know, I got to chant aloud, and I got to, you know, I got to chant really loud. I got to, you know, make sure that my chanting goes around the world seven times or something like that. Um, or, um, you know, the, the brahmacharis freaking out because there are ladies chanting in the temple room or something like that. When, when that would come up, Prabhupada say, would say, uh, well, if the brahmacharis are distracted by the women, then they should go to the forest. Um, but the other side of that is um, not paying enough attention. Again, it's all a matter of being introspective, understanding what applies um, to us, and 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 you know, and and having good association helps with that. Having people that we can discuss these things with in confidence can help us kind of navigate the, the, the waters here. The next is, oh, we're looking at the clock, uh, is Jana Sangha or Asat Sangha, um, associating intimately with people who are too worldly minded. Rather, we should hanker for Sadhu Sangha. If, we're, if we spend, if, if we associate too intimately with worldly minded people, then we find ourselves being distracted um, and sometimes letting our uh, spiritual practices slacken, and we find our hankerings for things in the material world um, sometimes growing. What we should hanker for instead is sadhu sangha. This is the cure here. So we see Sri uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructing Sanatana Goswami when um, before he gets to actually discussing the 64 angas of bhakti in the 22nd chapter of the Madhi Lila, and that part of the Sanatana Shiksha he just um, he discusses with Sanatan the um, the practice of, of bhakti. This is what we see discussed in the bhakti sandarbha, Jiva Goswami's bhakti sandarbha, bhakti as a practice. So he says, Krishna bhakti janma mulahoi sadhu sangha, Krishna prema janme tenho punamukya anga. He says the root cause of devotional service is the association of devotees. We get bhakti. Um, these Krishna's Swarup Shakti makes her ingress into our hearts through the hearts of the devotees who are um, willing to share it with us. And he says, even our dormant love for Krishna awakens, even after it has awakened, still association with devotees is most essential. And he describes that association with devotees. Uh, Srila Rupa Goswami describes that association with devotees um, in the Bhakti Rasamrita, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, as Sajati Ashaye Snigte Sadhu Sangha Svatovare. So, three elements. Sajati uh, Asya. So, Jata has to do with birth, 
or kind. In other words, um, we want to associate with devotees who share our spiritual aspirations. It's often um, presented as like-minded devotees. I tend to prefer like-hearted because I think it's more to the point. Um, so devotees from our crew, <laughs> you know, sometimes those, those with who we can really share th things. And snigdhe, affectionately disposed, those who are affectionately disposed toward us. That's a natural thing. We don't, we don't want to associate with devotees who, you know, who don't treat us like human beings. Uh, and we find that sometimes, you know, there are devotees who are just not very good at dealing with other people. Um, maybe, maybe they ha have some purification that needs to progress to the point where the, their ego, a false ego is eroded a little more. And then Svatovade, those who are superior, better than we are, who are a little more advanced than we are. Um, so that their association pulls us along in spiritual progress. And then the last of these six is lolium, which is hankering um, for um, attainment in the material world, letting our minds dwell on um, all these self-centered desires. Um, greed, lolium is sometimes referred to as greed. Now there's another lolium that's actually um, desirable. We see that discussed in the bhakti, among the angas of bhakti in, uh, in the bhakti rasamrita sindhu, a greed for, um, for serving Krishna, following, especially following in the footsteps of his, you know, one of his eternal associates in Braja. But, um, you know, the kind, the kind of lolium that's being discussed here is the kind of hankering that's, that's fostered by too much association with worldly-minded people, too much engagement in useless talk, hearing too much, you know, advertisement, spending too much time on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever uh, social media we use. Um, so, you know, this is something to be avoided. And we see Krishna cautions Arjuna against this uh, more than once in the Bhagavad Gita. I picked out a couple here. One from the second chapter, Indriyanam uh, Charatam Yanmano Nuvidhiyate, Tarasya Harati Pragyam Vayur Navam Ivambhasi. He says, he cautions Arjuna as a strong wind sweeps away a boat on the water, on the water even one of the roaming senses on which the mind focuses can carry away a man's intelligence. And we know that cascade that Krishna describes elsewhere in the Gita, that you know, when we contemplate the objects of the senses too much, then we become attached and then we become frustrated and angry and then we end up losing um, our spiritual progress altogether. And then the next, the other one is from the third chapter where he's, uh, Krishna says that, we shouldn't let ourselves become control under the control of attachment and aversion. Um, because the, these are, Prabhupada would tell us, attachment and aversion. And it's again, it's like Niyamagraha, too much attachment, too much aversion. They're sides, two sides of the same coin. Um, it re they, they really tell us more uh, how attached we are um, to the material world. And we, we understand from Krishna's final instruction in the Bhagavad Gita, 
that we're meant to give up all these things, even the Dharma. Uh, even what, what I tend to call conventional Dharma, Sarvadharman, Parityaja, completely um, reject um, all, all the Dharma, all the different Dharmas that we've discussed over the last 600 odd verses um, and take exclusive shelter in me. And so this is, you know, this is what we're seeing. And then the Bhagavatam, as we hear so often from Guru Maharaj, as the philosophical sequel, theological sequel to the Bhagavad Gita picks up there. Um, um, Dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmatsaranam satam. This is this this kind of subject matter is fit to be discussed by people whose hearts have become completely purified of all kinds of envy because they don't have any selfish desires to pursue. They're not involved. Uh, they've completely rejected conventional religion, cheating religion. And, and as I often point out, when Krishnadas Kaviraj uh, Goswami discusses this verse, second verse of the Bhagavatam, it's Vashtu Nirdesha Sloka, it's thesis statement. And um, it's statement of who's, who's fit to hear this. Um, you know, the discussions we're about to have, he says, actually the verse is saying, okay, now for those whose hearts are become, have become completely pure because of having praujita completely rejected, just as we see in the Bhagavad Gita, um, paritya completely rejected all kaitava dharma, cheating religion. And, and I love it, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami says, what do I mean by cheating religion? What do I mean by kaitava dharma? Dharma artakama moksha vancha. Oh, all the all the goals of human life. Um, those have to be given up. And he says, Yeah, because they're all centered on me, on this false ego. Um, so attachment and aversion, because they have to do with with my false ego, not my serving ego. Um, then um, then these things need to be given up. And that is what we have for today. And I've only gone a five minutes over. So um, um, although it's late, I, if there's any um, discussion that devotees want to engage in, um, here we are. It's only a handful of us. I don't, folks who have to go are certainly free to do that. But if anybody has any reflections or uh, discussions, I think you can unmute yourselves. Um, and if there isn't, then um, we, we can adjourn almost on time, which would be a big gold star for me. Okay, that's a long silence. I think long enough to indicate that um, uh, that we may be done. I thank you all um, for engaging me like this, um, uh, giving me the opportunity to reflect on these things. This is helping me to develop a project that I've had simmering in the back of my mind for far too long. So I thank you all. Samaveta Gaura Bhakta Vrindiki Jai. And uh, we'll see you here again next week, if not before. 
श्रीपाद बख्तिया बयाश्रम महाराज की जय